Thank you very much for the introduction. Um, I'll try to um, tailor my, my remarks to the to the beats of the of the music, but I've never been successful at that before, so I don't know whether this will be any exception. Um, this week's parsha that we just read, um, Parshas um, <coughs> Yisro, focuses, of course, on the uh, central event of uh, Matan Torah, um, and especially the giving of the Aseris Adibros. Um, the culmination of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in many ways, after all, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim looked forward, Klal Yisrael were going to become the, the nation of the Rabbonu Shalom. It was going to be a reciprocal relationship. He was going to be their Elohim. They were going to be his Um. That was going to express itself in the relationship that would develop through Taryag Mitzvot. That's what the Torah itself describes, that this day established Klal Yisrael um, irrevocably as uh, the nation of the Rabbonu Shalom. In one respect, the Aseris Adibros represents the climax of creation itself. Bereshis bara lokim, bishvil Torah shenikra reishis. Torah itself is the telos, the purpose of the creation. So in this sense, the Aseris Adibros represents the end or the purpose of all of creation. At the same time, the Aseris Adibros represents the beginning because it's the basis, the foundation, and therefore the beginning, the beginning of what would be that reciprocal relationship and which going forward would define the purpose of man from that point on till the end of time. One of the Yud Gimeli Karm of the Rambam, of course, is the immutability of Torah, the immutability of Halacha, the fact that Halacha doesn't change, its application may change, but the principles, the norms themselves are inviolate, they're immutable. And therefore, what was established at Har Sinai and in Maimed Har Sinai was something that would establish the relationship Lodore Doros. For this reason, it's not surprising that the Gemar Brachos tells us that the Aseris Adibros was intended initially to be part of the broader theme of Kabbalah Samachus Shamayim, that it would be included with Kriyashma every single day. And it's only Mishum Taromus Aminim, only because it was possible that that inclusion might have been misconstrued, people would have said either that the reason that this is being given special emphasis is because it alone really comes directly from the Rabbonu Shalolam, Mikpipiagvura, or, even if they wouldn't say that, there are different versions of what the problem might have been, at least they would have thought that the Aseris Adibros is of greater axiological significance, it's more important, has greater value um, than other parts of Torah, and therefore, in order to preclude this misconception, it was determined that they wouldn't say Aseris Adibros every day. But otherwise, Aseris Adibros would have been included in the broader theme of Kabbalah Samach Shamayim. The Ramban, both in Sefer Mitzvos and his Parish Torah, explains that there's a special Zachor, Torah records Zachor, that one should remember exactly what took place on the day of Maimed Har Sinai, and the Ramban counts that in the Tayag Mitzvos, and the Ramban explains that remembering this event, commemorating this experience, is something that is crucial to every Jew. The Minig is that we stand up for the Aseris Adibros. The Rambam, in a very famous tshuva, vociferously uh, decries that Minhag, argues that it's a Minhag Taos, it shouldn't be kept, 
it's inconsistent with the theme of Taromes Haminim, but the fact is that Klal Yisrael, Ladari Doros, um, most communities of Klal Yisrael, do stand up for the Aser Sadibros. And the question is why? Aside from the fact that, uh, of course, uh, the content of the Aser Sadibros are, are certainly very crucial, the mitzvot contained therein are very important, but why again all of this uh, emphasis? Um, why the Zachar as a separate mitzvah, the standing, uh, the inclusion theory or potentially in Kabbalah Samach Shemai. On one level, the answer is simple. Um, one could argue that the content of Torah and the combination of the content of Torah and the experience of Gilu Yishchina together are really contained in the Aser Sadibros uh, in a way that is simply inimitable. It's the view of Rav Sajigon and the Ramban and a few other Rishonim that if you analyze the Tariag Mitzvot very carefully, you could really pull out from there, if you, sorry, if you analyze the Aser Sadibros very carefully, you could pull out from there all of the Tariag Mitzvot. They're all encapsulated in these ten. But of course, it's not only that the total tochen of Tariag Mitzvot is contained in this way, it's also the fact that it was given the Kolos Ubrakim, right? That the, the experience itself was such a monumental one. It was one in which, or about which, the Baal Haggadah could say, Ilu Kervanu even had the content not been given, but the experience alone uh, been experienced by Klal Yisrael, Dayenu, that would have been enough. A rather remarkable statement when we consider that the Tochen of Torah, uh, literally the constitution of Jewish life, of spiritual life, is something that is indispensable to us. And yet, the experience of being at Matan Torah, of uh, hearing or being in the presence of the Kolos of Rakim and what they accompanied, that would have perhaps been Dayenu. Moreover, the fact that the Rabbanu Sholem was there, that it was witnessed by the entire Kal Yisrael, all of this contributes to the immutability of the content, as the Rambam explains so eloquently in his Yud Gimel Ikarim. And even beyond that, the experience of Maimed Har Sinai established beyond a doubt that the Rabbanu Sholem and his Hashkacha had a special connection with the Jewish people and even with every individual Jew. No longer could it be said that the Rabbanu Sholem was, to use the Aristotelian formulation, simply an unmoved mover or an absentee landlord in the world. Matan Torah proved unequivocally that there was Hashkacha that there could be a personal relationship between man and God, especially between the Jew and the Rabbana Shalala. But I think it's possible that there's another element, not uh, in contradistinction necessarily with the above, but a way of um, um, crystallizing uh, all of these themes. There's another theme about the Aser Sadibros that makes it particularly paradigmatic and therefore that justifies the standing, the Zachar, the Kabbalah Samach Shemayim, and so on. The Aser Sadibros establishes the challenging dialectic that is really the challenge, opportunity, and in some cases limit to Avodos Hashem, Ludore Doros. The Aser Sadibros establishes the paradigm of how to balance three interrelated critical themes in Avodos Hashem. Three themes that we constantly need to reassess in our own lives as a nation and as individuals. Number one, the relationship between the experiential element, the kolos of rakim, 
the ability to have a personal connection, to feel that connection, that spiritual connection with the Rabbani Shalom on the one hand, and the concept of the norm, or a normative constitutional uh, obligation to abide by the details of halacha of Jewish law on the other. Secondly, the relationship between initiative and response, the extent to which one can take the bull by the horns and be involved in the direction of the relationship of one's spiritual life or the relationship between man and the Kaddish Baruch Hu, as opposed to simply being on the recipient end, uh, the responder to the tzivui. And thirdly, closely connected to the first two, the relationship between the personal element and the collective element, between individuals and their role as opposed to Klal Yisrael as a corporate entity and its broader role. After all, Matan Torah, Maimed Har Sinai, on the one hand required initiative, it couldn't have happened without the response of Nasev and Ishma. The Torah reports how Rabboni Shalom proposed, Moshe Rabbeinu went to the Jewish people, and he came back to the Rabboni Shalom as a matter of Derech Eretz to give the response of Nasev and Ishma. According to some views in Chazal, that was a sine qua non, that could not have been a Maimed Har Sinai, with all that it implied, if not for the initiative which was only initiative after first being a response, I might add, of Nasev and Ishma. As the ultimate mitzvah, the response itself reflects the two elements. On the one hand, a response without which there couldn't have been a forward movement. At the same time, the response being we are ready to be recipients. We are ready, if necessary, to be passive. Nasev and Ishma, whatever it is that is demanded of us, we will adhere to. On the one hand, there's the necessary hachana, the need to separate from family life, the need to cleanse oneself physically, and of course, its counterpart spiritually. At the same time, with all of the hachana, there's also a hagbala, also a tzimtzum, also restriction. There are places where Klal Yisrael was welcome, even in the context of this great experience of Kolos of Rakim, and though they were welcomed, at the same time, they were limited the Hagbala of the Har and what it represents as well as what it represents the Dore Doros in terms of the Mikdash and so on. On the one hand, there is this participation and direct contact, direct experience of the Rabboni Shalom. At the same time, Klal Yisrael is primarily passive in the Aser Sadibros and of course even more important, they become after the first or second of the Dibros not only passive but almost literally panic-stricken, and paralyzed. So on the one hand, you have the experience par excellence. You can't imagine a more direct encounter between human beings and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The opportunity is actually embraced initially by Klal Yisrael. Rashi quotes the beautiful Medrash, how when this was proposed, Klal Yisrael said, yes, we really want to have the experience of a direct encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And yet, remarkably, as they experience it, it's Kal Yisrael that takes the initiative in demanding that they should no longer be able to take this initiative. In other words, in demanding the limitation, in demanding the tzimtzum. They'd rather hear about it, they'd rather commemorate it in the norm, in the law, in being a mitzvah, than being actively involved directly in the experience of Maimon Har Sinai. There's an interesting discussion both in the Medrash and the Rishonim 
about the scope of the direct Dibros as opposed to the ones that were received through the medium of Moshe Rabbeinu, one or two or more, and whether or not the fact that there were some Dibros or those Dibros that were given more directly, whether halachically they have a different status or not, all of this, of course, is relevant to what we're discussing and very interesting. But the fact that the unit of Aser Sadibros is a unit, even though it contains both that initial aspiration and ambition enthusiastically uh, looked forward to by Kal Yisrael of the first Dibros, and yet the recognition that there have to be limits, that the gap between Akadosh Baruch and Kal Yisrael is such that those limits are the only way to continue even in the experiential relationship, the fact that this is one unit is a powerful message that conveys both of these themes. The theme of initiative on the one hand and the theme of response and passivity on the other. On the one hand, the experience of Maimed Har Sinai requires that each individual member of Klal Yisrael be mevatal as dato to call of Klal Yisrael, that he see himself as part of a unit. Only on that basis can he reach out to the Rabbanu Shalom. Asher Sicha Me'eretz Mitzrayim is interpreted by many of Chazal and many of the Mepharshim as a singular language because it addressed Klal Yisrael as a single entity, as a unit, as a corporate entity, not even as a nation made up of individuals. The norms, of course, are binding on the total nation. The theme of Mishpat Echad Yialachem uniformity when it comes to applying halacha, the theme of lotis godedu, lotasu agudos agudos, that when it comes to practicing halacha and even minhagim, that there, are, there is a desire for uniformity in the community, the fact that we put to death a zake mamre, a rebellious elder who notwithstanding his sincerity, notwithstanding his erudition and authority, you can't be a zake mamre unless you're a serious tamad chacham, roi lahorah, and motivated sincerely by Kvod Hashem. He only wants the proper halacha to be implemented. And yet we kill him. He is a recipient of the death penalty because by refusing to go along with the uniform decision of the duly appointed body who has the right methodologically to make these determinations, namely Bezen Haggadah, Belishas Hagazis, he threatens to fragment Klau Yisrael's unity, Shaloyu Kishtei Tauros, and as a result, is put to the death penalty. The theme of the Tefillin Shoyad, which of course, unlike the Tefillin Shorosh, has only one bias, reflecting that when it comes to action, when it comes to halacha, ideally, desirably, there should be one uniform conduct unifying all of Klal Yisrael. This is one major theme of the Aseris Adibros. But at the same time, the dialectical theme, the opposite theme, emerges as well. There is, of course, the other interpretation of Asher Hotzei Sicha, in which, again, that middle position of addressing every individual of the Klal as the Klal is, in fact, rejected. But the opposite position from the one cited earlier is taken. Anoche Hashem Elokecha, according to some of Farshim, is addressed to every individual as an individual, obligating him to use his talents, his potential, his special personality, in order to develop that relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's striking and it's important 
that the Yom Shal Shlomo and Masechet Bavakama and Hakdama explains that while there was one content to Torah, it was received individually and differently, of course, in shades, not in a radical way, by each and every member of Klal Yisrael who was present at that time, according to his temperament and according to his inclination. This is how the Marshal explains that there could be different perceptions initially of Torah and how there can be a legitimate diversity within the world of Torah. The message was the same, the content was the same. It was Mishpadechad Yelachem, but it was received by countless individuals, each according to his own perception, sincere understanding, methodologically proper understanding of that Torah. When we speak about the Torah, and we speak about it as Ba'er Hetev, Shivim Rashon, or Shivim Panim Torah, or Memtes Panim, Leheter Ule Iser, Letuma Ule Tahara, when we speak about themes like Elu Be'elu Diver Lekim Chayim, when we contrast the Tfilin Shalrosh with the Tfilin Shalyad, it's then that we accent that other side of the coin. The idea that there is some openness to a range of views in Torah, to Elu Be'elu Diver Lekim Chayim, in all of its impressive uh, grandeur. The Mishnah in Masechet Sanhedrin, and Lamed Zayin Omed Aleph, in a very famous formulation, Initially discussing the impact of Iyum Edim has a very famous uh, description of what it is that is at stake in a Dine Nefashos case. He's supposed to tell the Edim, have a Yodim, Shiloki Dine Mamonus, Dine Nefashos, Dine Mamonus, Adam Nosei Mamonum, Miskaperlo, Dine Nefashos, Domo Vedam Zarosa, Pluimbo Adsofa Ola. At stake in a Dine Nefashos case, in a capital case, is literally this individual, and what he will produce, Lodore Doros. Then, Mishnah goes on, Shekin Matzina Bekayin, Shehareg Asachiv, Shenemar Dmei Achicha Tzoakim, and so on, Ein Omer Dam Achicha, Le Dmei Achicha. Then the Mishnah continues, Lefikach Nivra Adam Yechidi. That's why Adam was created as an individual. Lamedcha Shekala Ma'abed Nefesh Achas M'Yisrael, Ma'alol Vakasav Kili Ibed Olam Malay, Vakala Ma'kayin Nefesh Achas M'Yisrael, Ma'alol Vakasav Kili Kiyem, each individual created B'Tselem Elohim has the potential, is in fact an Olam Male. He's of infinite value and significance. The impact that he could have on the Dore Doros, on the generations that he produces, undoubtedly because of his individuality, is irreplaceable. It's interesting. The Mishnah gives several reasons why man was created um, as an individual. It seems as if these differences, these uh, different explanations, are different one from the other. But upon further reflection, and especially if you continue to read the Mishnah, it seems that all of these represent different sides of the same coin. In all of these, we are trying to focus on the potential of each individual to make a contribution to Klal Yisrael, to use his unique temperament, the unique historical circumstances in which he comes into the world, all of that to make his mark, to make his mark indelibly. 
And for that reason, it's not correct to say that Abba Godome Avicha, because everything cannot be defined in quantitative terms on one plane. Moreover, it's important to realize that people and their diversity don't represent different forces in the world that are unconnected to each other. On the contrary, like the Torah itself and the different deos of the Torah, as the Gemara tells us in Chagiga, kulam meroa echad nitnu. It's even more powerful if the range and the diversity and the uniqueness and the opportunity of each individual in, through his individual and singular experiences and expressions and inclinations actually come from one source. They come from one source and their ability to interpret and enhance and contribute to that source. Legitimate diversity is far more powerful than a diversity that flows from totally different themes disconnected from another. Precisely that, only the Rabbanu can pull off such a trick. To have one tfus, one model, one mode, one roa, one aseras adibros, and yet to be able to create, to engender multiple truths, a diversity, a creativity that is legitimate as long as it's pursued within the proper methodology of Torah and Halacha that produces chosam echad but harbei partzufin. And therefore, lefikach kalechad yechad chayiv lomar bishvili nivra ha'olam. Every individual is supposed to look at himself on one level as if he is the center of the universe. Not in the sense of arrogance, not in the sense of uh, entitlement, but in the sense of responsibility. His obligation, meiroa echad, to enhance that which he was given, mechosam echad, from that one defus, and to make his contribution um, in that way. In that sense, Avodos Hashem is expressed in the notion that each individual can contribute to the world of Torah. This, of course, is the concept of Chidush, very much admired, very much uh, central in the world of Talmud Torah. Ha'omer davar b'shem amro, nevi ge'ula li'olam, people who, who quote the Talmud Chacham, comes up with his, with his Chidush, bring ge'ula to the world, obviously because credit is deserved if indeed it is the Chiddush of a particular Talmud Chacham. But I think again, the Geula that is brought to the world in this case has a, an additional meaning. Not only are you doing the right thing, many times you do the right thing, I don't know whether that already accomplishes bringing Geula to the world, but if one understands the concept of Chiddush and Halacha, namely, that you can follow the proper, proper Yerushamayim, the proper methodology of Talmud Torah and of Paskening Halacha, and still you could come up with a Chiddush. If you understand well the secret, which I'm not going to explore more fully tonight, it's another topic, but connected, of Kol Ma'ashet Talmud Vasek Asad Chadesh Nemer Lemoshe Misinai, that Moshe Rabbeinu in his initial Mesora, that Maimon Har Sinai is the source, and yet it can produce Kol Ma'ashet Talmud Vasek Asad Chadesh. If you understand that secret, that secret itself is maybe Geula Liolam. That secret, that ability to understand the unity and the uniformity, the Nishpad Echad Yilachem on the one hand, and at the same time, the concept of Chidush, and the concept of Asherot Seisicha, relating to each individual, the Amshel Shlomo's concept, that indeed, that is the foundation for understanding Yahadus in such a way that it brings the Geula. 
if it is possible to contribute individually, then it is not just permissible, but obligatory. As such, contribution manifests an aspect of Gilu Yashchina, of revealing, of developing the Torah itself. Of course, again, within the proper methodology and the proper framework that validates such an enterprise. This duality, which we find in Aseris Adibros, of aspiration for this relationship, direct relationship, and experience of Kaddish Baruch Hu unmediated, and yet, at the same time, the voluntary reticence, the theoretical enthusiasm and the practical obstacles, the individual input and the collective uniformity. All of this contributes to the significance of Matan Torah, to its Zohar, to the standing, to the Kabbalah Samach Shamayim, etc. For that reason, it is indeed the paradigmatic model of a comprehensive, ambitious, if, of course, at the same time, complex model of Avodah Hashem. The raison d'etre of the creation of the world, the Reishis, Bishvil Reishis, and the controlling principle of Jewish life throughout history, based on the immutability of the Torah and the Zachar, our long memory of the Matan Torah experience. The truth is that this idea of balancing these forces of initiative and response of individual and collective have their roots in the very beginning of history. The Nitziv understands that the original design of the world was for man to be passive, to be a recipient, to be reflective and contemplative alone. He was Vayasim also Ganeden, placed simply in Ganeden. Several psukim later, the Torah tells us that a new stage was to follow, or a redesign of man's purpose. However, that is to be understood. Man Vayinicheu Beganeden Laavda Ulashamra. But it's interesting that Laavda Ulashamra itself represents two seemingly different themes. Laavda, man's creativity, his initiative, Lashamra, to preserve what the Rabbanu Shalom has given him, to be a recipient, to be a guardian. Rav Salavechik, Zechat Salik Lebracha's scheme of Adam 1 and Adam 2 in explaining the two early renditions of the creation of man and Bracious also reflect this dualism. Adam 1 is a recipient, he's more passive, he's a mitzuveh par excellence. Adam 2, of course, represents a more initiative-oriented individual, more creative, also more worldly, and that's a different aspect. While Adam 1 is the more dominant personality type for religious man, the Rav believes that Adam 2 is an indispensable part of that total Weltanschauung as well. Each of the Avos constitute a different theme. They are quite different as individuals. Even again, as they collectively represent a unity of purpose and vision to serve the Rabbanu Shalom and to serve Klal Yisrael. Chesed, Gevura, and Tiferet each represents totally different types of themes. Shachris, Mincho, Mariv, each one contributed by the Avos, according to Chazal, each a different kind of Tvila. We say Eloke Abraham, Eloke Yitzchak, Eloke Yaakov. Each one Eloke in the same way and each one mentioned individually. As Chazal explained, because each of the Avos brought a nofech mishalahem to the process. We say all three in our tefillah. Yaakov, who is able to balance and integrate better than anyone else, that's why he's the Bechira Avos, he is the Midav Teferes, 
Yaakov is the ultimate integrative force of the Avos. He, more than anyone, was well aware of the tremendous potential in accenting individual strengths, the potential for initiative in Avodos Hashem, and yet in integrating them and always channeling them to a unity of purpose and always within the framework of a kind of halacha as a mitzvah. The final legacy in which he departs from this world, speaks to his children, is summed up by the Torah's Kibir Chasam, Kibir Osam. And Chazal explained that he gave each of the Shvatim an individual bracha, and at the same time, when he finished with that, he gave all the brachos that he gave to all the Shvatim to all of the Shvatim. He did both. He accented the individual, thereby focusing on each person's potential, his ability uniquely, singularly to contribute, and at the same time argued that if all these were valid expressions of Avraham Hashem, that in some level there has to be a mishpat echad yelachem for them as well. The continuing role of the Shvatim in Halacha and in Jewish history, in the Degalim, in the Masos, in Nachala, continues to focus on these two themes, on different strengths and functions, and at the same time, when it comes to the world of Torah and Halacha, on a uniformity of practice and of norms. The individual input is underscored by the Ramban's famous explanation that the Korbanos of the Nesim and the Chanukah Samizbeach, while seemingly same Korban, and yet the Torah repeats each one separately and individually, because the different Kavanos, the different focus, the different inclinations of the Nesim made this uniform Korban, each one into a distinctive and individualized Korban. Again, that ideal of integrating the initiative, the distinctiveness, together with the responsiveness and the uniformity and the norm. The truth is that these issues are fundamental to the very nature of religion, generally, and to Yadus and Halacha in particular. The challenge of all religions is how there can be a relationship between a man who is inferior in every way, fallible, limited, in every aspect of his life, and the Rabboni Shalom, who is omniscient and omnipotent, the creator, by definition, completely transcendent. And yet the assumption of religion always is that there is such a relationship, it's axiomatic to the very concept of Avodah Hashem, that there is such a notion. The difficulty in bridging the gap between this problem, how is it possible for man inferior man to have a relationship with transcendent is reflected in the world of Torah and Halacha as well. After all, even Moshe Rabbeinu, the Adon HaNavim, who lokam Moshe Yisrael, who in one sense was able to relate to the Rabbeinu Shalom Panim, El Panim, at the same time, despite his Koran or Panav and everything else, he finds himself mystified. He finds himself Limited. There are obstacles even in the path of Moshe Rabbeinu. At the same time, every member of Kal Yisrael, not just Moshe Rabbeinu, is obligated in Vahalachta Bedrachav, even though the Rabbanu Shalom is transcendent and beyond anybody's reach. Rav Salvechik used to explain that in Metati Odei, the obligation Lehidamos Vahalachta Bedrachav applies not only to Mahu Rachum V'chanun and Gomel Chesed and so on but it applies also to Yichudo 
Just as the Rabbi Shalom is unique, every individual, the Rabbi used to argue, is obligated to marshal and to mobilize his talents, his singular talents, based on his exposures, based on his personality, based on his opportunities, for Avodah Hashem. So again, at the one hand you have Moshe Rabbeinu, no one could be greater than him with limits, and aware of those limits. On the other hand, Ploni Almoni, any Jew who has the obligation to the extent that it's of course uh, feasible, of lehi damos Yadus's answer to this problem is of course the answer of Matan Torah, of Maimon Har Sinai. The ability of individuals, fallible, meaningless, to have a relationship with the transcendent, omnipotent, omniscient, Rabbonu Shalom, is on the basis of the chesed accorded by the Rabbonu Shalom himself in a relationship that is directed by him through a system of halacha, the vehicle through which that relationship takes place. Rabbi Yudha Levi in the Kuzari develops this idea uh, very powerfully. Without divine initiative and direction, there could be no relationship between man and God. The Rav Zechatanik Levracha, of course, developed it in his own way, seeing halacha as an a priori system of values which represent the vehicle through which man looks at the world, defines his own purpose, uh, defines even his sensibilities, and thereby develops a relationship with Hashem. Crucial to all of this is the notion of being a mitzvah and the willingness to respond only within the framework of the system of halacha. I think it's possible that for this reason the Rambam was insistent that Anochi Hashem Elokecha be included in the Taryag mitzvahs. Unlike the Bahag who felt that this is something that has to come prior to the Taryag mitzvahs. For the Rambam, it was crucial that the framework of tzivui and of Torah and of halacha <coughs> extend even to the metaphysical affirmation of a Baruch Hu himself. At the same time, by doing that, the experience of a Baruch Hu, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, was brought into the framework and therefore gave purpose and infused meaning to the rest of Taryag mitzvahs understanding that the norm is not something that is simply legalistic, but it is the means, the vehicle, through which to express the relationship of Anochi Hashem Elokecha. The Rav used to explain that the mechanism of Halacha is necessary as a matir for there to be a relationship between man and God, precisely because of this otherwise insuperable gap that would exist separating them. Psuke de Zimra, the Rav thought, was a matir for tefillah. You have to begin with Shevach Vahodah to establish your recognition. You understand how meaningless you are in the Rabbanu Shalom's presence. Only then can you turn to tefillah. Shevach is a matir within tefillah to bakasha. Before you're presumptuous enough to ask for anything, you have to establish the framework. You have to say, Elokei Avram, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov, Shevach Vahodah, and so on. Mitzvah is a matir for the performance of a mitzvah. The performance of a mitzvah would be a gesture which would encroach upon the Rabboni Shalom's um, sanctity in one respect, if not for the fact that there is a birchas mitzvah. The Rav used to explain that that's why the Rambam formulates birchas mitzvah by equating it with birchas anenin. Kishem, the Rambam says, just as you have to make a bracha before you eat, you need a matir, it belongs to the Rabbanu Shalom and you're taking it and you're using it, you have to ask permission. So too, kach, when it comes to Birchas HaMitzvah, 
the bracha is a necessary prerequisite to the performance of the mitzvah. You have to establish that you're doing this mitzvah, that you are taking initiative here as a mitzvah, as one who responds to the sivui. Asher kiddushanu vitzivanu. Even durabanans apparently require vitzivanu. The Gemara in Shabbos tells us on Chafalaf from Aleph, Beheichan Tzivanu. Where is the Vitzivanu of Lahadli Kner Shalchanuka? The Gemara answers, Vosasur, and so on. But Vitzivanu is critical not only to Daraisas, but to Drabanans. Any gesture that is supposed to be spiritually meaningless needs to be validated, legitimized by the framework, by linking up to the framework of Matan Torah. Gadol Mitzuvah Viosa, Mimisha Mitzuvah Viosa a very perplexing halacha. One who is commanded receives more skar than one who does things voluntarily. On the surface, this is counterintuitive. One would expect that a voluntary performance would be superior. Balitosis and others suggest a psychological explanation. The burden is always greater when there's a sense of obligation. But it's possible that Gala Mitzvah Miyosa is to be understood more directly. Namely, the theme of mitzvah, the idea of being in the framework of Torah, of halacha, that is validated, that escapes the problem of how mortal man reaches out to transcendent creator, that indeed is gadol, that is better than misha'ena mitzvah biyosa. And even misha'ena mitzvah biyosa needs to invoke that framework. Maybe he's not personally mitzvah begavra, but at least the Cheftah Mitzvah is something which in some context is Mitzvah, namely has been validated as a proper expression of Avodah Hashem. The comprehensiveness of Torah in this sense, Hafochba, Hafochba, Dekulaba, its breadth and its depth, all of this constitutes it as the framework that allows for legitimate spiritual expression and growth. For this reason, referring to the introduction of Mardasra, it's critical that we search for individual input, options, the way to express our creativity, all the bishvili, nivraha olam, all of that referred to before, within the framework of that which is validated, already established as meaningful, assured of a place in the spiritual pantheon, namely within the framework of Torah, of halacha. Perhaps by a broader understanding of what Torah and halacha means. They don't only mean that which is codified in the Shulchan Aruch, I mean the values that are reflected therein, and the broader notion of what it means to be an Obed Hashem and a Ben Torah, the Rambam's broader understanding of Avas Hashem and Yiras Hashem, including an appreciation of the world, study of the world, a different topic, but a broader understanding of what Torah is. This broader understanding of Torah, that still constitutes a framework of Torah and Halacha, becomes the basis of a Halachocentrism that limits spiritual expression to that framework and yet allows much room for individual input through depth and the comprehensiveness of the Torah itself. Whether it's through the medium of Kavana, intention and Lishma, or through the impact of Talmud Torah on the study of mitzvos of Ramanahar, it's a wonderful um, line in which he explains that in a Doma it's not comparable when you do a mitzvah and you're involved in, in some Avodos Hashem, and you understand all the details and nuances of the Halacha, and when you simply do it, uh, following the strict rules of the Shulchan Aruch, but not appreciating and understanding all of its facets. That extra depth 
performance, brought to the performance through the Talmud Torah, represents a completely different concept of doing the mitzvah itself. Moreover, the ability to specialize in particular mitzvos, the Rambam's interpretation, which I like very much, which is that one of the reasons that Rabbi Shalom gave us so many mitzvos is that each individual could find his particular niche, the one that he wants to focus on and uh, uh, specialize in. Obviously, every Jew is obligated in all Taryag mitzvos, but this again consistent with the theme of all the brachos applied to all the shvatim, and yet there were particular brachos that were particularly suited to particular shvatim. I think there are two halachic models that reflect both the opportunities and the limits. One is that of Baltosif, and the other is that of Zekeli Va'anvehu. With all the sincerity that, sincerity that one can muster, and I think that we should project sincerity by and large to people who otherwise may be confused but are really interested in uh, enhancing their, their connection to the Rabboni Shalom, they're looking for spirituality and so on. But it's important that B'nai Torah reject what the Rav used to call religious subjectivism. The notion that sincerity alone and the desire to have a spiritually meaningful experience with HaKadosh Baruch Hu justifies spiritual expression. Everything that I've said till now is meant to provide the background to establish that true spirituality in Torah and halachic terms is one that, was in, that has to find itself specifically within the framework of halacha, although that framework remains quite broad and flexible with room for individual input, contribution, and so on. The concept of mitzvah, the framework of halacha, makes sincerity as the primary um, methodological tool completely inconsistent and unacceptable. In some of his more sharper formulations, the Rav argued that religious subjectivism borders on idolatry or self-idolatry, since man's own choice, his interest in finding a spiritual mechanism is precisely what dictates for him a proper expression. This perspective, I think, is invaluable in assessing several episodes in the Torah. Let me mention a few quickly, then let me get back to the models, and then I'll conclude. The Egel Hazav. The Kuzari understands that the foundation for the mistake of Egel Hazav was the problem of projecting in a kind of religiously subjectivistic way from the similarity to Kruvim and other things how it is that one goes about deepening, expanding one's spiritual options. The antidote for the Egel Hazav, say Chazal, is the Mishkan, which we'll be reading about in the next number of parshios. Shechorani v'nava, shechorani b'maysa ha'egel, navani b'maysa mishkan. Yavo zahav ha'mishkan v'ichaper al zahav ha'egel. Precisely because kasher tziva Hashem, kasher tziva Hashem, inordinate amount of times, the framework, the specificity, only the exact way that it was described, only that could create a situation of Hashra Sashkina. The Mardasra mentioned in his Hagdama, the Chait of Nada Vabiu, Bikravaya Kadesh, Al Pne Kolaam Ekabed. Shalom himself is almost enigmatic in his response. On the one hand, the harsh Misa that is meted out to B'nai Aaron, on the other hand, Bikravai 
Ekadesh. Sense that these were really great men, spiritual men, giants in many respects. And of course, the real confusion in Chazal is a perplexing one. What was their Avera? Different views in Chazal, Shtuya Yayin, yes, Rabbi Willig's topic coming up, or Mora Halacha Shalom Rabbam, they weren't proper in their procedure asking Gapsach Halacha to their Rabbi, Eish Zara, all sorts of uh, different possibilities. What was it really? The fact is that if you look at all of the possibilities mentioned by Chazal, there is a common theme, a common thread in all of them. I think what Chazal really meant was that the Torah is intentionally ambiguous. It could have been one of these, it could have been all of these. The important thing is intentionally not to focus on one as a Maisa The important thing is to focus on all of them as symptoms. The Bnei Aaron were spiritual giants and they were looking to expand and intensify their relationship with the Rabbanu Shlalom. And they felt that the way to do that was to move away from the rigid framework of Halacha. That could be done by not, being, by not consulting with Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe Rabbeinu was going to tell them the norm. The Psak Halacha of Mishpat Echad Yiyalachem. Their situation was different. They knew that they were unique in the level that they had reached. It could have been through suyayayin. Drinking sometimes heightens one's senses. Right? That can be a good thing. Sometimes on Shabbos, on Yantif, it is a good thing. Other times it's taken to excess and not a good thing. But the point is that it can bring one to a different stage, perhaps, of spirituality. Ketorah Zara, again, the same kind of situation. The theme that is common to all of these is the idea of spirituality outside of the framework. Of Shamshin Fal Hirsch rails against religious subjectivism in his Perush al Torah, in this Parsha, in a way that is very, very, um, uh, very, very powerful. The fact is that the antidote for Nada Babiu is Achremos Bnei Aaron. It's the Avoda of Yom Kippurim. The day of Itzuma Shoyom, the most spiritual day of the year, the day in which the Kohen Gadol goes Lefnai Belefnim, the only opportunity that he has, and also the most rigidly defined, frameworked day in the Jewish calendar. Like the Miluim, again also, because it set the tone for Karbanos, every change from the Seder, no matter how small, is simply going to be Ma'akev. The antidote of the death of Bnei Aaron is Achremos Bnei Aaron. It's the Avoda of Yom Kippurim. Let me conclude with two models. One halacha we have is the halacha of Baltosif. On the surface, the impulse to be Mosif seems to be a very admirable one. After all, a person again wants to expand his horizons in spirituality, expand the relationship, the expression of it, and yet it's viewed very, very severely in the Torah, in the Halacha, and so on. If you look at the Psukim in Parshas Vaschanan and in Re'eh, the two Parshios of Baltosif, it's striking that they both uh, appear in a context in which the Torah really describes um, critical, critical matters. The Chizkuni already raises this question. He says, I just don't understand why in the two places that Baltosif appears, it appears in such uh, lofty company. In Vaschanan, 
Moshe Rabbeinu is addressing Klal Yisrael after he's finally realized that he will not lead them into, into Eretz Yisrael. His final legacy to them, he says, and listen, I'm about to tell you, and you almost hear the, I say, the drum rolls in the background, and what does he tell them? Baltosif Tigra. That's the secret. If you want to succeed in Eretz Yisrael, if you want to know what my final legacy is to you, in Parshas Re'ei, we read about, again, the potential of disaster if you listen to Yoshevi Haaretz. And then afterwards, we read about the Parsha of Navi Sheker, two Dvarim Ha'omdim Beruma Shalolam. And right in the middle, you have a few psukim, Baltosif Ubaltigra. Fascinating. If you look at the trop, something else emerges. Baltosif and Baltigra, which should have been opposites, one would have thought, end up being uh, apparently in the same part of the Pasuk. According to the trop, one leads into the other. As many of the Mepharshim explain, what the Torah really seems to be saying is, Baltosif is Baltigra. Kolamosif Gorea. The Uraim in his Minyan Mitzvos actually counts Baltigra and Baltosif as one. And the question is why? But the answer really is quite, quite simple. Baltosif is the beginning of the Torah and the end of the Torah. The first story of the Torah, the first chait in the Torah is a chait of Baltosif. The story of Nacha Shakadmoni and Chava is a story of Baltosif. The last psukim of the Torah established that Moshe Rabbeinu is unique. There can never be a Navi like Moshe Rabbeinu. He is inimitable. And as the Rambam explains, that is the basis for our understanding Baltosif Ubaltigra, the immutability of the Torah. The theme of Shmira Samitzvos, of true spirituality in Judaism, is based on the principle of Baltosif, which may look good on the surface, it may be sincerely motivated, but in the end of the day, it becomes Baltigra. On the other hand, the fact is that there is an alternative. And that is Zekeli van Vehu. Chazal say Zekeli van Vehu, but of course, Velekeavi varomimenhu. If it wasn't for Lokeavi varomimenhu, Schusavos, the framework, the history, the Mesorah, then maybe Zekeli van Vehu would have been problematic as well. But with fidelity to that Mesorah and everything that it implies, Zekeli van Vehu becomes the model, or a model, for injecting spirituality initiative in Avodah Hashem. I don't have the time, but it's clear if you look at the sugyas that Zekeli van Beyo isn't just Isnal, the fun of the mitzvah, it's a nicer, more beautiful, more aesthetically pleasing way to do the mitzvah. But as the Rav used to say in the name of his father, the Zekeli van Beyo transforms the mitzvah itself into a different chalos. The Ramam says that if you bind the lulav and the minim together and you add an extra min, this is the convergence of Baltosif and Zekeli van Veyu. If you add an extra min by binding the Lulav together, that constitutes Baltosif. And the Ravid asks, how could that be? After all, the Rambam paskins that Lulav ain't Sarachegad. It's only based on Zekeli van Veyu. So why is binding the Lulav together possible the, the Tilas Lulav because of Baltosif? But the Rav used to explain in the name of his father, the answer is that Zekeli van Veyu really redefines the nature of the mitzvah of lulav. It's not just a nicety, an extra adornment. That input, that relating to the mitzvah in that way, 
makes it a different mitzvah. It's no longer a mitzvah of four separate minim. When you're ma'ageh the lulav, even though it's a keli vandeyu, it makes it one cheftza. All the minim one. Ironically, that's a keli vandeyu creates a baltosif if you choose to add a min to that mix. I would say, homiletically, you've ruined the zakeli, and the zakeli then becomes the basis for a baltosif. The fact is that the laws that govern zakeli vanvehu establish clearly that zakeli vanvehu allows individual input and aesthetic sensibility and so on to transform the mitzvah itself. There are many issues confronting the Jewish community today. My time is up, so let me just say this in the end. There are many sincere individuals who are seeking ways to expand their relationship to Akarish Baruch Hu, to Judaism. I think most of them really are sincere. But uh, not all of them have a very strong grounding in the halacha, or in some cases, if they have knowledge of the halacha, in the sensibility of the halacha, which sometimes requires of being attuned to the system, not merely reading or learning or studying, but studying in the context of a certain Mesorah for many years, getting an instinct about what is and what is, prop- what is proper, what isn't proper, what is a hidur, and what is a potential baltosis. Many individuals are tempted to express their spirituality in the creation of new rituals, in the simulation of rituals that exist but don't exactly fit the particular occasion, and so on. On the whole, such expressions are frowned upon at minimum, in some cases worse, um, expressly forbidden by the halacha. It takes one who is attuned to the halachic system to know what is a baltosif and what indeed is a zakeli vanvehu. But the theme, the principle, should be clear to us all. It goes back again to the nasa v'nishma of the Aseris Adibros. The framework which was the inspiration for Bereshis and which is our constitution till the end of time. Lahagdil Torah Lahadira, may all of us intensify our relationship with that framework so that each of us as individuals can contribute to the best of our ability, our creative talents, our individual talents. Again, Lahagdil Torah Lahadira. Thank you.